Hi guys, and welcome back to our coven. Um, this week you are only going to have me, but I am going to discuss two uh, different topics this week. The magical properties of cranberries, and then of course my personal favorite, my own birthstone, which would be the garnet. So sit back, relax, and let me soothe your brain with my voice. you guys are ready to learn about cranberries and garnet. Um, I kind of wanted to do two topics this week. We do Miss Cola. I know she'll be back. Um, did not realize how similar these two topics were going to end up being, but still really excited, especially garnet as an Aquarius. It is my birthstone. Um, and I even got a little something that talks about birthstones and why we even have them besides the you know commercial value of, of selling things. So let's just jump right in. I'm super excited. Um, cranberries. I wish I'd made a cranberry cocktail with this episode and uh, hindsight's 2020, but I am going to talk about some wonderful things you can do with cranberries at the end. So the magical correspondences of cranberries and where I got some of my information is plentifulearth.com. Wonderful website. Lovely graphics. Uh, so it starts out dark, bitter, and mysterious. Ooh. Cranberries are most well-known for their uses between Samhain and Yule. Cranberry sauce, juice, and wine are delicious, nutritious, and highly magical. Everything is highly magical if you use it properly. The Latin name is Vaccinium macrocarpin, mm -hmm. but the folk names are bog fruit and marshworts, which sound less delicious than cranberries. The gender is, of course, female elements that rule are water and fire, which I love because the the color, that deep red, although they start out white, but that deep red is that fire. And, you know, to harvest them, of course, they just flood the land with water. So I, I don't know. I, I thought that was really neat. Um, the planets that rule cranberries are Mars. The signs are Sagittarius. The deities are Astarte, which is also um, like Esther for like Easter. Um, the chakras that work well with cranberries are going to be that root chakra, that deep red. Um, and then the magical properties talk about, well, we're going to talk about that later. I think I'm going to skip that because this is a little bit of a spell that you can do with the properties, but we'll get back to that. So I'm sure as many women know, some of the medicinal properties are well known and we use them all the time bladder infections and urinary tract infections. Yay. Um, of course, drinking the real tart, non-sweetened cranberry juice is a great way of preventing them and also treating them. And obviously, like everything else, go to your doctor because it could be more serious than we think. But, um, but honestly, that's been like the folk remedy for, well, you know, my whole lifetime is pretty much if you feel anything odd going on down there, the first thing they say is just, you know, drink some good cranberry juice, or my mom would say blackberry brandy, so I say use either one. Um, there was a warning here that if you are taking aspirin, not to take cranberry juice in, but I don't, they didn't say why, so I guess I'd have to kind of look into them. Um, so again, the rituals that we're going to use them for are right around this time of year, although we just finished Yule and the winter solstice because we were in January, um, but that's when we would when we would start doing it. Uh, they are good for many things magically, healing, protection, love, lust, positive energy, 
courage, passion, and action. And again, those are those same qualities that you feel when you see the color red, when that, you know, that's kind of like where, where that color goes for me, at least. It says, oftentimes the cranberry's beautiful red color has associated it with the planet Mars, and as a result, its magical correspondences are similar to that of Mars. Okay, uh, similar color. Because of this, cranberry can be used for protection, energy, courage, passion, determination, goals, and action. These brightly colored berries look a little like jewels, and their red goodness carries huge protective energy with them. They are a power punch against negative energy. Consider having cranberry sauce as part of a protective meal or drinking cranberry juice or cranberry tea, which, oh my God, is so good, uh, while doing magic for anything associated with Mars. So those are some good basic properties. I know what last time I used um, the uh, cranberry leaves in one of my spells. It was for, I don't want to say a love spell, but it had that kind of a feel to the spell, and I really felt it was very powerful. Um, if color were considered as a way of marking the cranberry's magical association, it would be foolish not to highlight the deep, sensual, and erotic color as corresponding to love and lust magic, right? If you are cooking a meal for a loved one, considering incorporating cranberry into the meal. And personally, I, I love using cranberries in meals that are savory. And then when you have the cranberries kind of in there, it just gives that pop of like juicy tartness. Not even always sweetness, but like, um, you know, if you make a traditional stuffing, that's delicious. But if you add some cranberries in it and they just... Not a lot, just enough so that it, like caviar, you find them, they pop in your mouth and they mix with those deep savory flavors and it's just, okay, I'm, I'm going off topic, but it's, it's good, it's good. Whew, okay, apparently I'm hungry. You may also want to sip this tea while performing love magic. Simply add two teaspoons of cherry juice to one cup of hot cranberry tea. Stir it with a cinnamon stick clockwise to bring things in. There is something incredibly comforting and warming about cranberries, so to show your love and appreciation for your family and friends, consider adding cranberry juice or chutney to a dinner. It will bring a feeling of peace, comfort, warmth, good health, and love to those who enjoy it. And we can't leave out, you know, Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving, or even a lot of Christmases without some kind of a cranberry product to kind of sweeten up, again, the meal. And those are the associations, associations that now we have with it being with family, warm food, you know, cold weather. So I, I really, I see where this, you know, and it's, and it's been generations of this. So depending on how they're used, cranberries will either bond people together during tough times or create hardships that tear people apart. Drink the juice with your partner on the dark moon to keep the relationship free of trouble and going strong. Place a circle of cranberries around a brown or black candle and call out the name of two individuals who need to be separated while the candle burns. Continue the ritual until you obtain results. Careful when messing with spells that involve moving, mm, involving other people and their emotions. They're strong and they can come back at you. Uh, cranberries of a red color symbolize the love relationship. Ripe and juicy cranberry foretells happiness and love. Green cranberries portend upcoming problems with your loved one. And according to Freud, <laughs> of course, cranberry symbolizes your sexual life. Is anything Freud ever said not sexual? And I'm, I mean, I guess I kind of get that. We're sexual beings, but come on, Freud. Jeez, what a perv. 
In some cases, cranberry juice or cranberry wine can be substituted for red wine in rituals. Oh my gosh, you can make the best, uh, like, mulled cranberry... I don't know. I mean, I just kind of... Like, it's, it's a harvest drink, but it would be cranberry and maybe apple cider, the mulling spices, you know, fresh cranberries inside of it, warm it up, add clove and cinnamon and... You know, you can kind of just put it in a crock pot and then like have a ladle and people can just drink it and add some red wine to, oh, red wine, a good berry wine. It, it's just, it's just excellent. Oh, in some cases, uh, cranberry juice and wine can be substituted for red wine in rituals. Perhaps you will include a bowl of cranberries next to your pomegranate on your sow and altar to show thanks to the supernatural powers of the bog, the birthplace of the cranberries. And again, if you're using wine in your rituals and... You want those qualities that the cranberry has. That's, of, of course, then you can add a cranberry wine or just cranberry juice with the wine. It's, it's ideal. Cranberries can be a lovely attribute to any Samhain or Yule altar, and they're so pretty. Um, dried cranberries can be strung on a piece of twine or cord. Oh, I love that idea. And you can hang it over your doorways for protection. They also make good Yule tree decorations. It's a gorgeous contrast of color, but also invokes the protective and healing power of the red berry. Okay, that's definitely that's definitely something I'm going to do next year is I'm going to string up um, fresh cranberries throughout the house. Oh, it's, it's going to be so pretty. Um, so cranberries and the bog, the magic of the bogs. The bog is the home of the cranberry, but was also a sacrificial stomping ground of ancient societies in northern Europe. Consider all of the archaeological findings that have been discovered in bogs from Denmark, Scotland, English, Sweden, and northern Germany. They found daggers, swords, shields, spears, javelins, drinking vessels, sickles, dousing rods, and jewelry, all recovered from bogs. Also was the famous Gundestrip cauldron, a silver cauldron of Celtic origin, which had mythical narratives on it. Even more shockingly, excellently preserved human bodies, which appeared to have been victims of sacrifice, have been discovered in most of the bogs. It appears that to ancient society, the watery bog was a place of significant importance where sacrifices and treasures were willingly deposited. A lot of magic in the bogs. Some researchers and academics have suggested that the bog deposits were offerings for protection or rituals to bring fertility to the land and well-being to the land's inhabitants. Um, Cole and I have discussed many times um, sacrifices of, well, people, um, you know, to appease the gods and goddesses, which many times they were, which they thought would bring them good luck, especially if they brought them the best of what they had. So, you know, human sacrifice is still a thing. Let's hope. Some researchers um, said the deposits were offering for protections, and they... <laughs> They cannot avoid the idea of a spooky, dank bog on a cold night. Perhaps it is the fact that the unstable, marshy territory could lead to hazardous falls and injuries. Legend has it that the murky, watery bogs were bottomless, so to step in one meant imminent doom. And I just can't help but think of the never-ending story um, and the bog of infinite sadness. Um, similar, it's just such a, a deep well I mean, the bog creatures, the bog monsters. There's so many things that, that just, uh, it's, it's such a permanency. They never dry out. They constantly stay in this, this wet mush um, and nothing recovers from it. And there's something a little bit peaceful about that to me. 
Um, all right, so some cranberry lore and mythology. Hans Christian Andersen shared many stories of the bog. All right, this is when I start drinking. One moment. Okay. Hans Christian Andersen shared many stories of the bog, most of which involved witches, elves, and fairies. And in English and Welsh folklore, will-o'-wisps are said to be glowing lights that would float above the bog. Some believe they were the benevolent fairy or nature spirits that acted as guides to lost travelers. On the other hand, some saw the will-o'-wisps as ill-spirited fairies, dark elves, or spirits connected to the devil. Hopefully it wasn't just phosphorus gas that lights up at night sometimes and people tried to walk into the bog and died. That's just science. Maybe that's me. The cranberry has a special place in the hearts of the Finnish and students and admirers of the ancient Lapland mythology. The Kalevala, epic legend of Finland, has been the reputed inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Sure, you've never heard of it. And it is a compiled collection of Finnish oral stories that have been sung by Lapland bards for centuries. In the final passage or rune of the Kalevala, we hear the tale of the virgin goddess encounter with the cranberry. Okay, side note, they said, many translators cannot agree on which berry Mahara was actually enjoying in the Kalevala, but the translations include cranberry, bilberry, ligonberry, blackberry, and strawberry. The original Finnish word, Finnish word used was punapaula, which is indeed a variety of cranberry, though smaller and sweeter than the one grown in North America. Described as a beautiful maiden, Marhada is a goddess who is chaste yet connected with her Northland home. While roaming the forest, she hears the singing of the cranberry, which begs her to eat him. Because of her maidenhood, she couldn't pluck the berry, but instead use a charm to have the berry rise from the vine and into her mouth. I have a spell for that too. After she ate the berry, she was impregnated. Yep, same spell. When her family found out of her pregnancy, they did not believe her story of the cranberry and was shunned. Well, she tried, guys. I mean, something was in her mouth. Similar to the story of Christ's birth, of course, Marhada gave birth to her son, S-U-N, in a stable in the forest. The heroic god of the Kalevala, a name I will not even try to pronounce, is summoned to decide the destiny of the baby. When it is told that the child's father is a cranberry, he sentences the baby the banishment into the forest and seals his death. However, when the baby pleads for his life, in, in, in real words, I imagine, because it's a baby, uh, by pointing out his unfair judgment, he's saved. Baby logic. Okay. The dude I can't pronounce also recognizes that the son of the cranberry would grow to be his successor, a royal king and mighty ruler. Some of the American history and lore of cranberries is fascinating as well. Native Americans were very familiar with the cranberry, and it's used gracious, grace, graciously as food, medicine, and dye. They use the berry to flavor meats, in poultice to heal wounds, lower inflammation, and as a dye to make deep burgundy rugs. And anyone that's cooked with cranberries, you know it's going to stain. Cherries, pomegranates, terrible. Beets, ugh, worst. Or the best, depending on what you want to do with it. The Dutch and German settlers came to America. They named the berry Cranberry. The name was inspired by the berry's pink spring blossoms, which said to resemble the head and bill of a sandhill crane. 
Although there is no record that cranberries were eaten first at the Thanksgiving, they are often associated with this holiday and symbolize the Earth's abundance. I'm sure they were eaten well before. Let's just say there was a first Thanksgiving. Sure. Ridiculous. <sighs> okay. It would have been interesting had those berries been shared at the first Thanksgiving, however, because in Victorian flower language, the cranberry blossom signifies that the receiver extends kindness to the giver. The cranberry is also seen as democratic. In England, wealthy people pair it with delectable venison, mm, but poorer people are also able to enjoy it. Well, yeah, thanks. All right, some thoughts on cranberry magic. The tale of the marhada reminds us of the nutritional value of the cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I there must be a lot of protein in a cranberry. So fertile and so powerful is the cranberry. <laughs> it is the vehicle for immaculate conception. <laughs> okay, I can't. Um, since it is tied to immaculate conception, the birth of a child, who will replace it? Uh, it will be the old king. And it can be linked to rejuvenation, reincarnation, and the themes of Yule and Christmas. All right, so let's just back up here. Oh, my God. So I, I love this. So basically this maiden had her cranberry popped, it made up the story. I mean, all respect to whatever. But uh, And now that's why the cranberry is linked to uh, fertility magic. That's just That's just great. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Spell work aside, the nutritional benefits of the cranberry are worthy enough to be incorporated into a routine diet as it will aid in the overall health and well-being. Finally, it is important not to forget the magic of the bog, the motherland of the cranberry. Here we see the cranberry's tie to the supernatural, mystical, and ancient. In a place where humans and precious objects were sacrificed, there was so much value put on the mystical powers of the bog. It is a place for the protection of people and armies, um, the fertility of the land and nature, and the well of those, the well-being of those who visit it, could be determined and sought after through ritual and sacrifice. So perhaps you will include a, a bowl of cranberries next to your pomegranate on your Samhain altar to show thanks to the supernatural powers of the bog, or alternatively, of course, just use it in your cooking for the season. All right, so this next topic, let's see, talks about dreaming about cranberries. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever had huh, cranberry dreams. Maybe I will now. That'd be so exciting. Um, so let's see. When you see or eat cranberries, oh, okay. I was picturing, like, you know, attack of the killer cranberries in a dream, and apparently it's when you eat them or see them. It's generally a good sign of health and a long life and happy life. Cranberries also represent warmth and togetherness, which you might be craving right now given the time of year. Alternately, you may be feeling content at present because you have had just enough of this in your waking life. Perhaps you are a particularly warm person towards others and have felt some of that back of late. If you're drinking cranberry juice in your dream, you could have a UTI. Um, it's perhaps oh, perhaps you have too much stress in your waking life and need to dial things back to manage your stress level betters, better. Cranberry juice. Drink again. Here you go. Cranberry juice might be an indicator of poor health too. Perhaps you need to rid your body of some toxin that you're in the habit of feeding it. On the other hand, the dream could be telling you to let go of a thought or feeling that's doing you no good. You need to flush, no pun intended, 
the negative energy out and the bad out of yourself before you can carry on as normal. If you're picking cranberries in your dream, perhaps you recognize the effort you need to put into something before you are rewarded for all your hard work. You know there are more choices available if you do. Consequently, you are a hard worker. If the berries were spoiled, then maybe you recognize that you've missed an opportunity in the recent past. With that, another one might come along, so don't lose faith. Hmm, excellent. Um, so there was a few different ways of using them. I'm going to look that up. So if you're looking to use cranberries in a spell for abundance, it suggests... Well, this is like a lot of the spells we use here. Write what you want to fill your life onto a piece of paper. Place that paper onto a plate and pour enough cranberries to fill the plate. Visualize, use your intentions, what you want your life full of, what you wish for, just like a bog that is filled with cranberries. Cook and eat the berries. I love that. So you are ingesting pretty much what you want in abundance. Um, for energy... You can make homemade cranberry sauce with cinnamon and clove. Oh, that'd be great for energy. Um, enchant for increasing energy. So, I mean, already clove and cinnamon have a ton of energy work in them. And now you're just adding cranberries, too. For healing, place cranberries in a bowl and place it under a bed during healing or rest. For love, cook with cranberries to inspire, lo uh, to inspire love. And for a ritual wine substitute, you can use it, obviously, in your rituals and spells. So just interesting ways that you can use them. Um, I didn't want to go a lot into, you know, the farming and the cultural aspect of it. Although, as you guys know, I love, I love, love, love all that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that a common misconception about cranberry production is that the beds remain flooded throughout the year. So they, they grow very moistly, but then it's really in the autumn, which is, you know, the time of year we're about to harvest them, that that's when they they typically flood the area. Um, it says that when ice forms on the beds of these flooded areas, trucks can be driven onto the ice and spread a thin layer of sand to control pests and rejuvenate vines. And they're harvested in the fall when the fruit takes on that, again, that distinctive deep color, usually right after that first frost. So one of the best things about cranberries, besides their magical purposes, I think, is um, all the wonderful beverages you can make with them. Now, I mentioned um, that wonderful, like, mulled wine mixture. But the most common ones I think we use all the time, or at least I do. Um, I know I did the Cosmopolitan. Um, I thought, I mean, that's just very, very popular. Um, so let's just talk about a few of those that I thought were great. I mean, there's many drinks, obviously, you can make with cranberries, but... Some of my favorites from working as a bartender is the Cosmo, classic cocktail to spice up your next gathering. And yeah, I guess it was made really popular with Sex and the City, but basically it's vodka, cranberry juice, um, Cointreau, and lime. Um, I have this thing about St. Germain. I like it in almost any sweet drink, which I'm not a sweet drink person. I just a drop of St. Germain and you will thank me. Um, and then, of course, there's the Sea Breeze. I know it's very popular. It's cranberry juice, vodka, and grapefruit juice. Um, the spin on that is, of course, going to be the Bay Breeze, which, again, is popular. Vodka, cranberry juice, and pineapple juice. So, again, we're going with very sweet things. I do like the, the mulling wine because it has definitely more of those savory, clove, cinnamony flavors. Nutmeg. Oh, all those winter, winter spices. And then my favorite, which again, I'm going with St. Germain. If you've never heard of it, look it up. Buy a little bottle. It's quite expensive. It's 
delicious. It is an elderberry, I'm sorry, elderflower liqueur. It's the best thing you've ever had in your life, and you'll thank me for it. So let me know what you, what you think when you make this. Very simple. It's vodka, cranberry juice, St. Germain, lemon, and simple syrup. Now, you don't, you don't have to go crazy with the simple syrup. Even if you just mix those few together, um, there's already enough sweetness in, say, like the lemon juice that you don't need a lot. And again, it's to taste. So usually it's a shot, shot and a half of vodka, shot, shot and a half of cranberry juice, maybe a half a shot of St. Germain. It's very strong. You don't need a lot. Um, lemon juice mixed up, obviously, over ice. Serve it up. It's delicious. You can use a sugar rim if you want. I know I'm going off on a tangent. Um, and again, just rub that lemon around the edge of your martini glass. <laughs> it's so good. So I would love some feedback if anyone decides to uh, to try those things out. So we're going to take a pause and I'm going to discuss the next topic. And I know that might be a little bit long of an episode, but um, I'm going to end it with a little short story that I did find um, uh, on one of these websites by Landir Nesbitt. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, kind of talks about the just the bog and the history of how the name came about. And I just really liked it overall. Um, just one more way, you know, and one more witchy story for me to add to my uh, repertoire. It is called the, the Three Red Witches and the Cranberry Bog. So that will be coming up at the end of my episode. I'm going to take a short break and I will be right back with Garnet, that beautiful birthstone. That's mine, uh, my birthstone. Feel free to send beautiful birthstone wishes to me and, uh, be right back. All right. Let's get crunching on this garnet. It's going to be so great. I'm so excited. Um, garnet is my birthstone, as I've mentioned like four times already. Um, and I don't own one. I don't own a garnet. And I remember when I was a kid, I mean, you know, kids are weird. I was like, I wanted to be a diamond or a pearl. And I didn't appreciate the garnet for what it was for the birthstone. So I feel like I need to kind of come around for that. And I've never bought one. So I'm not sure if I want to buy one as a piece of jewelry or perhaps a crystal. I really don't know where I'm going to go with this. But probably by the time I'm reading all about it, um, which I've, you know, touched on a little bit, I'm excited. Uh, then I probably decide what it is. And I did not realize when I picked these two topics, I mean, I picked garnet, obviously. And I've just been eating a lot of cranberries lately because of the, you know, the time of the year. And they're so fresh and ripe. I didn't realize how much they have association with each other. So um, bear with me if any of this is kind of repetitive. But I mean, yeah, let's totally use garnet mixed with our red cranberry energy. So here we go. All right. So garnet is actually, I mean, I know we, we always think of jewelry, or I, at least I do. But it's actually a name given to a group of silicate materials. Um, it's actually a second anniversary gemstone. So uh Good luck linking it to year two. Um, the associations that it has with the chakras are the root chakra and the heart chakra. So because garnet, like I, I know I picture it as that deep, dark blood red stone, but I know it comes in other colors. But basically uh, the different types, because there's so many kinds of garnet, depends on the chakra. But you're going to be looking at that deep root chakra, that red, or the heart chakra. I think we're going to get into that a little bit. Obviously, the birthstone of January for the Zodiac. It's Aries, Leo, and Virgo for the planet. It's Mars, and the element is fire. So you see where those things come together. Um, the typical colors, it says most often seen in red. 
but I guess it's like, it's like virtually any color. It's like pink, green, orange, yellow, brown, and black, which, oh, a bl okay, that's, I am requesting this and putting this out to the universe and podcast world and my 35 listeners. And you know what? Thanks, guys. I love you and I appreciate every single one of you. But a black garnet? Someone find me a black garnet. I've never seen one. That just, I'm feeling that. Anyway, healing with garnet stones. You're going to look at, again, it's that red, well, mostly that red color. Passion, sensuality, sexuality, romantic, intimate, positive thoughts, energy, past life recall, inspiration, success, social popularity, and self-confidence. And again, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that they're really dipping into that color red, that type A personality, which is generally goes towards red. So cranberries and garnets. I mean, if, if that's your personality type, I mean, that's just, you can just see it just pops. People that are confident enough to wear red like that, I mean, they seem to have those qualities and success, which I think is great. Garnet cleanses and re-energizes the chakras. It revitalizes, purifies, and balances energy, bringing serenity and or passion as appropriate, inspires love and devotion, it balances the sex drive, and alleviates emotional disharmony. It activates and strengthens the survival instinct, bringing courage and hope. Oh, that's wonderful. Stimulates past life recall, sharpens perspective of oneself and others, and garnet removes inhibitions and taboos. It opens the heart and bestows self-confidence. That's wonderful. Garnet regenerates the body and stimulates the metabolism. It treats disorders of the spine and the spinal fluid, bone, cellular structure, and composition, purifying the heart, lungs, blood, and regenerates DNA. Garnet boosts the immune system and energy levels. As a stone of commitment, red garnet represents love. It revitalizes feelings and enhances sexuality, bringing warmth, devotion, understanding, and trust to a relationship. It controls anger, especially towards the self. Whew. I need a big one. Other varieties of garnet besides the red garnet is, now bear with me, almondine, known as udiolite. Garnet is a silica group of mineral, minerals that was first recorded in 325 BCE by Theophrastus. Pliny the Elder, I've talked about him before. I gotta look this dude up. He additionally recorded the stone in 77 AD, so it's before Christ and after, yeah, who cares. Uh, so he recorded the stone as a garamantic carbuncle. That, that sounds lovely. The word garnet derives from garnet, meaning dark red, and the word granatus, meaning grain or seed, okay, in reference to its resemblance to a pomegranate. Typically, the garnet group of minerals is composed of six sub-minerals. Ooh, time to geek, geek out. Almondine, pyrope, spessartine, andradite, grossular, and uvurite. Sweet. Things to look up later. I'm so excited. Deposits of garnet can be found all over the world with large specimens, specimens coming out of our old home state of Connecticut. Oh, interesting. They have historically been considered a stone that helps with hemorrhages, inflammatory disease, and the suppression of anger. Doctors lived by the code similia, similibus curante, meaning like is cured by like. Mm, yeah. Thus, for ailments that pertain to blood, garment, garnet was likely prescribed. 
Asian tribes took to it one step further by using small garnets as bullets, believing they would cause more harm than a regular one. That's a very expensive corpse right there. Garnet awakens our inner fire and helps produce some of the strongest life force energy in the entire mineral kingdom. Pure strength and fortitude is activated within and the confidence in oneself, and it will raise to an all-time high. Once we are comfortable with ourselves, we are then capable of transmuting the most negative vibrations into positive ones. And that, I feel like I could say that 40 times, 40,000 times. Once we are comfortable with ourselves, then we are capable of transmuting the most negative vibrations to positive ones. We've talked about this so many times. It's all about healing yourself before healing others. Your everyday focus, focus should start pertaining more to yourself and your personal growth. Understanding who you truly are in this world is a lifelong struggle, but Garnet will nudge you in the right direction. Oh, that's wonderful. So the earthen energies that radiate from Garnet restore proper order to our spirit body by giving us control over ourselves. In our lives, you may have noticed there are people who want to change who you are. Nah, nah, just me? Nah, whatever. Just... Uh, this lasting effect will only lead, lead to negative outcomes while also altering your purpose of why you are on this planet. Garnet refuses to allow you to make that mistake and helps you course correct if you feel as though you are not on the right path. I feel like so, so many of us are not on the right path. Not deliberately. Like, <sighs> this is great. All right, as a manifestation tool, it's an orb of manifestation energy that can be channeled by an experienced practitioner during a session. The red rays of life force energy help bring our desires to life and expand upon our internal dreams. Um, we suggest holding it and speakly, speaking directly into your crystal, expressing what your heart wants. As you release these vocal commands, you are reminding yourself of your goals and further planting the seed in your head. As the seed blossoms and grows, you will undertake your mission. By listening to your heart and attempting to achieve what you desire, you will feel an immense form of gratitude for the final outcome as long as it may take. So if you decide that our religion, original inspiration shifts towards newly founded goals, that does not mean you have failed. Instead, it shows you have succeeded in a way where you've advanced your consciousness to a higher level than you thought was poss possible. So... Even though all your intention may go towards one direction, if you are being pulled in a different inspiration, Garnet, I think, is telling you to, to, to listen to your body, to listen to your vibe and find out where you can go. Because honestly, your higher consciousness is going gonna, gonna to win and, and you should really flow with it. <sighs> the deep, glossy red color of the Garnet resembles the juicy seeds of the pomegranate which is perhaps why its name is derived from the Latin word granitum, which means pomegranate seed. In Greek mythology, a pomegranate was also given as a gift of passion and associated with eternal love. Side point, if any of you ever eaten a pomegranate, oh my God, they're so good. Um, giving it as a gift of love. Have you ever tried to break one of those open and just like get this? It's a, oh, delicious, but such a pain in the ass to eat. Like, I almost think it should be like some kind of a curse. Like try to get all the berries in your... I don't know. That's, I mean, it's beautiful. I guess that's just me. I don't know. Anyway. In ancient history, travelers wore garnet gemstones because they were believed to light up the night and provide protection from nightmares and accidents. Garnets were used in burial jewelry 
and carved signet rings to proclaim the royalty during the Bronze Age, so around 300 BC. They are one of the most popular gemstones of the Vikings, as revealed in the stunning jewelry and sword, fitting, sword fittings in the Staffordshire Horde, because they believed the blood-red stone improved their fighting prowess. In the Middle Ages, garnet was commonly believed to guard against poison. Royals would often drop a garnet gemstone into a glass of wine to ensure they weren't poisoned to death. Okay, drink on that one. Garnets were also worn by the Crusaders as an aid to safely find their way home. Eastern European folktales speak of garnets being worn around the neck to guard against night-wandering vampires. And in Victorian times, the gem was used in engagement rings and other women's jewelry to mark fidelity and love. Okay. Interestingly, it's really weird. They, they use non-gem-grade garnets in sandpaper or grinding materials. I, I don't... Just, I don't know, side note, interesting. It symbolizes a quick return to a separated love, fertility, and feminine force. So, so similar to cranberries again. And legend states, and I just love this, that Hades gifted a pomegranate to Persephone before she left his domain to ensure a speedy and safe return. When she did return, the fruit transformed into a handful of red gemstones. The garnet stone then is often gifted to a loved one before they embark on a travel, and they're commonly uh, believed to aid in the healing of broken bonds and aid in the treatment of melancholy and depression by acting as a heart and blood stimulant. It's said that garnet can attract people to the wearer, so hopefully helping personal and business success. Um, it's a great crystal for moving energy, clearing negative energy from the chakras, opening your heart. Um, and again, again, not something you want to use with, you know, go to a doctor always, but it's used for stimulating metabolism, blood flow, circulation, and fluid circulation throughout the human body. It will help improve the assimilation of all vitamins and minerals. It's considered to be the gemstone of focus, awakening, and creativity. Soothing vibration of a stone will help you achieve your goals, boost motivation, and prevent anger and reject bad ideas. Okay, so now they're going to go into some of the different kinds of garnets and what they specifically, you know, can help you with if you're going to especially use them in your magical practice. So here we go. Almondine garnet. It'll increase your willpower, resist negativity, panic, anxiety, worry, trust. Associated with the first chakra. The androdite garnet is connection with the spiritual world, self-empowerment, physical protection, and addiction recovery, it's associated with the base, heart, and solar plexus chakra. The grossular garment is associated with hope, connection to earth, so grounding, self-empowerment, abundance, cell growth, healing after trauma. The hessonite garment, self-respect, guilt, inferiority, intuition, hormone production, impotence, and negative influence. The pyrope garment, garnet, Charisma, inspiration, vitality, improving the quality of life, uh, digestion, and throat associated with the crown or the base chakra. Surprisingly, not the throat chakra. The rhodolite garnet, trust, intuition, contemplation, inspiration, sexuality, heart, lungs, self-love, and self-respect. And the spessartine garnet, confidence, removing of fear, again, your heart, 
nightmares, sexual problems, balance, stimulation, and an energy cleanser. And it's associated with the sacral and, again, solar plexus chakras. The last one is the uveroite. Uveroite, yep, close enough. Wealth, prosperity, individuality, detox, inflammation, emotional wounds, and abundance. And it is associated with the heart chakra. And to conclude, garnet is a calming, protective stone that will help you understand situations that happened in your life, help you commit and improve relations with other people, dispel bad dreams and nightmares, you should keep it under your pillow. This is also beneficial for healing depression. This gemstone is often credited for helping people to find their soulmates, new husband, and regain, con regain confidence. Garnet is a strong gemstone for creating balance, bringing balance to your emotions, chakras, and your whole body, boosting your mood and uplifting your spirit. It's lucky for bringing love, success, and achieving your goals. And healing, again, the main benefit of the garnet gemstone is the chakras for its cleansing, balancing, and energizing properties. I love that using the different types of garnets really kind of distributes balance to all the chakras. Um, really worth trying out. <clears throat> So again, garnet is considered both as a traditional and modern January birthstone associated with the zodiac signs Capricorn and Aquarius, which for those listening is absolutely perfect. It is a talisman stone for Taurus and the planetary stone for Scorpio. Excuse me. And that is uh, that is garnet. So great. great. I mean, you can go, honestly, I love going deep science-y on some of this and just like, finding out, you know, the hardness level, but I feel like that would be boring to some people and not necessarily witchy, but it's always good to learn like the, the scientific properties of what you're working with along with the magical properties, which usually I do both. Um, so for those interested, oh my gosh, please look into it. It's super, super hard stone too, which is great. And like I said, it can be found everywhere in the world. So not a pricey, necessarily pricey stone to have. Um, so I hope you guys really enjoyed that. I looked into a little bit about the birthstone. It's, I don't have a lot on it, but I found, I don't know. I found was like, why, you know, why are birthstones, you know, what does it do for us? Um, so basically what I found out was not, it's not a ton, but the idea of birthstones date back to ancient times when the Greeks, Egyptians, Romans, Persians, and Indians all assigned different gemstones to a month of the year. According to the stories behind the birthstones, legend has it that wearing a gemstone during its assigned month boosts its healing and therapeutic powers. And they're a fantastic way, modernly, to have special meaning to jewelry and make great gifts to mark like birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, or anybody who has an Aquarius. So the birthstone um, system that we use today originates, of course, unsurprisingly, from the biblical system created around 40 A.D., Jewish historian Titus Flavius Josephus declared that the 12 stones in Aaron's breastplate, which I think was called like an, an Ephraim or an Ephraim, it had a name, um, had a special connection to the months of the year and the signs of the Zodiac. And in 1912, the National Association of Jewelers in America drew up a list that we still use today. So there's been a few modifications along the way, um, but basically what I found out is like, People just wanted shiny, pretty stones, not just things that were related to their birthstone. Probably just to sell more. 
All right, so that wraps up Garnet. I hope that you guys love, like, I think I might just call this, the, you know, my red leather special. I don't know if you guys know what that means. kind of a comedic term uh, when they have their leather special. But um, so much red. And if you're going to go with, with a color, you should really go with red. And if any of you have ever read the Sword of Truth series, and um, you'll know what red, red leather means. I'm so excited. I hope I just, like, pinged all of you to just read that wonderful series. All right? So I'm going to take another little break. And then I think I'm going to read you a little bit of a story, The Three Red Witches and the Cranberry Bog. The Three Red Witches and the Cranberry Bog by Landir Nesbitt. In a bog far to the north there lived three red witches. They weren't a type of witch you are probably imagining right now mean-tempered and full of evil spells. For you see, witches were once just regular women who lived on the outskirts of their village foraging for healing herbs to protect and care for their community. These three witches wore long red gowns, red shawls, and had long red hair that they tied around their heads in braids fastened with little green vines. They had a friend who was always at their side, a crane, a beautiful gray bird with long legs who also loved the wetlands. He accompanied the witches wherever they went. No one knew exactly where they lived, but the villagers knew that the red witches were not afraid of the damp, misty bogs, wet moss, or fly-eating pitcher plants. They knew that the women would visit the village whenever someone was going to give birth, or was sick, or needed a little bit of magic. Wherever they went, they left behind a small red cloth with small four-petaled flower painted on it. It was the sign they had been there and had left their blessing. The women loved the bog land and took care of it. On full moons, they could be heard singing and wading barefoot through the bog, rosemary and sundew with frogs hopping about their skirts. The people of the village loved the witches and would open their windows to hear their songs floating in the breeze. Mist and mog in the wetland bogs, full of magic and little green frogs. Deep, deep down, red jewels wait. Dance under the moon and stay up late. There was one person in the village, however, who did not like witches. He thought they had too much power and wanted some of that power for himself. He would walk down the street with a scowl on his face whenever they entered the village, bringing their armful of herbs. Why do the herbs give them power, he wondered. How can I know more about herbs and get some of their power? His name was Roman. He was a grumpy man with a long, stringy beard and brown clothing. One day, when the three women entered the village to bring medicine to a sick man, Roman laid a trap for them. He strung a clear piece of fish twine across the street to trip them and make them fall and lose their herbs. But the crane saw this and bit the twine with its long beak until it fed, fell to the ground, letting them pass safely. The next time they came to the village, they brought foraged food for some hungry children. Roman set geese on them to tear the herbs from their arms, but the crane saw them coming and flapped his great wings to chase them off. The three red witches finished their business in the village and returned home to the bogs. Again, the women visited the village this time bringing a gift of a banquet of beautiful bog flowers to a family mourning the death of their grandmother. 
Roman was ready again to try and steal the herbs. This time, he lowered a hook to grab the flowers and reel them in. And this time, Crane was watching the children play ball in the streets and did not see him steal the herbs. The red witches could not catch Roman as he ran away with the flowers they had brought for the village. He hid behind a shed outside of town to look at the herbs and figure out how he can get the power for himself. He talked to them, commanding them to give power, to give him medicine and food and gifts. But the herbs wilted in his hands, and he cursed the red witches. After this, the red witches did not come as often to the village, and the people wondered where they were. Finally, a group of village women got together and said, we must go and find them and tell them we miss them and all their food and medicines. The women met at sunset and walked up to the bogs, calling for the red witches. They walked around the bog, calling and calling, but no one answered. The red witches had disappeared. The women grew angry at Roman for chasing away the women and started thinking of ways to chase Roman away. As their voices grew louder and louder with anger of what Roman had done, one of them, a quiet young woman, drew away from the crowd and bent down in the bog. She noticed something red and shining at her feet. As she looked closer and the red shining jewels, she called out for them to see. Look what I have found. There were hundreds of beautiful red berries at their feet among the green vines in the bog. And when the crowd of women remembered the red witch's song and realized that the wet red witches were not really gone, they had left a beautiful red berry as a gift that would provide the villagers medicine, food and beauty every autumn. The quiet woman took a knife out of her pocket and cut one of the red berries in half, and the other woman gasped in surprise. There was the four-petaled flower that the witches always left on the cloth every time they entered the village. The red witches were still with them, but they had left their teachings to all the women of the village. They decided to name the berry Craneberry, after the red witch's bird flower friend. And even now, if you look at cranberries, cranberries that flower that blooms in the summer, the flowers do look like the bill of a crane. Over time, the name changed to cranberry as we know it today. And that is the story of how cranberries came into our world. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You know where to find us on Instagram, Facebook, Coven of Two, the CO2 podcast at Gmail, the Kinky Witch Teas from Miss Cola, and the Greenwich Tarot for me. I think perhaps next time I will add a tarot reading, but for now, I hope you really enjoyed this deep, red, and sensual episode. Thank you.